What does it take to win? What does it take to be a winner? I'm Wesley Donahue. I'm here to answer those questions. And today I'm joined by Phil Bailey. Phil Bailey is a longtime South Carolina Democratic operative and also a very longtime friend of mine, maybe even one of my longest in politics. These days, he's heading up the advocacy department for our company at uh, Push Digital Group, actually specifically at the Lawrence Group. So check out my friend, Phil Bailey. It's been 10 years since we finished pub politics. Yep. Well, welcome to my new show. You started all this with me. Yeah. So. And here I am. What our listeners probably don't know is that Phil Bailey and I had an internet show called Pub Politics that we started probably like 14-ish years ago or so. I think it was 2008. We were very early. Like nobody was actually doing what we now call live streaming. We really didn't even know what to call it. We just put a video camera in front of us and broadcast it live over the internet. Now that's like a thing that's very common and everybody does. But we had this political internet show in South Carolina. We'd go to a bar every Wednesday, get drunk with a politician on camera, live, in front of a live audience. And it was awesome. It was flying without a net. It was. And uh, we did a couple hundred episodes and then ended it after we kept making news and it kept hurting business. Right. We decided we needed to put that toy back in the box. Let's just be the guy behind the camera. And I can tell you our bosses on both sides of the aisle were happy that day finally happened. Man, it was nothing but constant bitching. (laughs) Constant. I had some – some of my state senators really didn't seem – they were like, okay, that's that's fun with it. And then the other ones were like, Phil – you need to end this. Well, it was like twofold, right? Is one, we would say things that would make press that they didn't like. Right. But then two, we would have on like state senators who would then say things to get themselves in trouble. Yes. Such as a state senator calling a gubernatorial nominee a raghead and it making national news. Right. When, and when you had uh, a reporter uh, in the audience – and after we were, well, let's get rid of this. Uh, let's let's move on from this. Double down and gave a direct interview. You know what's frustrating about that, though, is you and I, after 24, 48 hours, decided to remove the episode mm-hmm. because of racist content. Right. And then we got attacked For- because Nikki Haley said that we were the good old boys trying to cover up the senator's comments. Right. When really she was all over the news saying these are racist comments that shouldn't be out there. So we were like, yeah, you're right, Nikki. So we're going to take it all down. And then she bashed us. Yeah, I know. I I mean, Governor Haley, Ambassador Haley plays the victim card like no other. You ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. Gold medal. And she talked about that in her book, as well as another funny story in her book, which I've never talked about publicly, but I will. Um, You know, she was a state house representative Mm -hmm. and was our client. Uh, at another firm I worked for before this company. I didn't own it. I worked there. And she then – we had someone running for governor, Gresham Barrett. She decided without telling us that she was announcing for governor the next day. So she went on her own website that we hosted that we uh, – you know, and changed the logo. So next thing you know, our company now has two gubernatorial candidates. So someone that worked for our company took the website down mm-hmm. like two hours after she announced for governor. 
So Nikki's team's freaking out. They're calling me. Wesley, what have you done? What have you done? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because at this point, I had already moved on and was working for the South Carolina Senate Republican Caucus. So I walk off the Senate floor. I call my old company. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but y'all just took down the gubernat- you know, uh, a gubernatorial candidate's website. Like, Put the website up and just transfer it to them, but get the website back up. It's not cool. So I fought, you know, my old team. They put the website back up. And then Nikki Haley puts out a book, like, you know, once she becomes ambassador, saying that I, she named me in her book, took her website down when I was the person that got the website back up. Wow. Well, but I mean, to your point about like constantly the victim. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, is there an index in her book so we can I can just do a quick index search? Yeah, you can find it. Okay. You and I were in a book. I just we were in a book with a rebel flag on the cover. What was the name of it? Um because it's not sitting on my bookshelf and I was like, why do I have this book? And then I was like, oh, me and Phil are quoted in this yeah, book. Yeah, we're quoted in it. Um it's I cannot remember the name of the title. It was something along the, like if the South won. Yeah, something like that. Uh and it was the whole premise of it was what if the Southern states won the Confederate uh, the Confederate states won the Civil War. But it, what would it be? What would it look like? Yeah. When I say there was a Confederate flag on it, it makes it sound like though it was written by a Southerner, but really it was written by a Northerner making fun of Southerners. Right. So it wasn't like a pro-South yeah, if we would have won He thing. has a whole chapter bashing you know, SEC football and, and its dominance of uh, TV coverage. Yeah. Uh, but I, I looked through it the other day. I found it because I was like, why would I have a Confederate flag book on my <laughs> bookshelf? And then it hit me that you and I sat down with that author like yeah. 12 years ago. At, uh, at Public House in Columbia. That's exactly right. Yeah. Wow. You're still in Columbia. Still in Columbia. Running the Columbia office. How does it feel being the token Democrat at Push Digital Group? I like being the token Democrat. Uh, it, it, it's good for business, particularly on uh, the advocacy shop, which I run. It's, you know, issues don't wear party labels. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and sometimes you guys need to say, well, this, we've got Phil. Yeah. Uh, on this, so it's, we do have a Democrat. Actually, we have a lot of Democrats that push Digital Group, mostly on like the creative team. But you're the face. I'm of, the face of it. The I'm face. the word. It literally says was a Senate Democratic Caucus Director on my bio on Lawrence Group. So website. Yeah, and you know, speaking of that, you and I met. I was running the South Carolina Senate Republican Caucus. You were you were doing the Democratic Caucus, and um, we'd like fight like hell during the day and. And on campaigns, and then go get drunk at night together. Yeah, it was. I mean, I was telling folks um, um, at the at the Christmas party last night yeah. uh, that we had just met uh, that you and I never took it personally. Uh, it was doing a job, and and we were having fun with it. Yeah, you know, it's like they say. Um, uh, what, what's the quote? Like a one a town with one lawyer, the lawyer goes broke. Right. Right. You know, I it, it's it's makes my job more fun and I make money when I actually have good opposition. And, you know, that was before the the hatred and the heat you see now. And I th- that was also at the very beginning of social media. So you didn't have the constant personal attacks that you have now. Mm-hmm. And you and I were never like that. You know, Tyler Jones was on the show and he and I have gotten in a lot of Twitter arguments, like very heated and, and things I wish that weren't said on both sides. But then, you know, he came to the office last week with a bottle of bourbon and we sat there for three hours just bullshitting. Yeah, catching, telling old stories. But it was never like that with you and me because uh, luckily we were old enough to be on the front side of social media. Yep. But all these kids are coming up today just lobbing attacks at each other. 
and I keep trying to give them advice. Like, guys, in politics, you're always going to run back into this person again and probably need them in the future. You, you know, I tell the story of sometimes of, of, of Rod Sheely, the, the late Rod Sheely, um, and he and I were always on opposite sides uh, on campaigns. And there was a special election happening in Berkeley County, and Rod was working for – was the general consultant for the Republican candidate, and I was doing stuff for the, for the Democrat. And election day, it was hot as can be. Uh, and Rod called me up. Like, he, we were always talking to each other on yeah, election day. me too. What, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? And, and I was like, screw you. You're sitting up in your air-conditioned office in Columbia – I've got volunteers that are just passed out in the heat, you know. <laughs> he goes, Phil, I'm looking at your numbers. You're scaring the hell out of me. I was like, I'm making this close for you, buddy. You oh, know? Oh, with the Paul Campbell race? Yeah, it's Paul Campbell race. You know, Rod's been dead for over 10 years now. Well over – probably 15 years. He's been dead a good while. But I still, on election day, want to pull up 616.36. That was his number. 616.36. Now, I don't know why I remember that number, but I can remember about five numbers – Total in my life. My wife's cell phone number is one, and Rod Sheely's cell phone is one. Really? And then on election day, you wear the Hawaiian shirt. He wears it every day. You wear it oh, every you day. mean that I wear it? Yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes you got to throw it on and chew on a cigar just to, to honor Rod. <laughs> so um, let's tell some campaign stories, or at least one good one. What you got? Well, I was telling the story uh, last night at the Christmas party. Um, it, this it goes back to when we first got to know each other, uh, 2006. Uh, you were running around um, with Terry Sullivan on Jim Demint's campaign, yep. and I was dispatched to go uh, run and manage uh, the Comptroller General's race with Drew Theodore, um, and. Uh, so we were both working on statewide races. I, granted, I was down ballot, but we always were crossing paths and, and having good things to say. Um, cut to next year, uh, you know, that year, Tommy Moore was the Democratic nominee just a, abysmally. Uh, Drew Theodore actually got more votes yeah. than, than Tommy did. Uh, Tommy saw the writing on the wall uh, and also the, the dollar signs and took a job with uh, the insurance lobby yeah. and moved up and re- resigned from the Senate uh, and moved up to Virginia, um, which caused a special election. And this is the first time you and I were against each other, like head going, head. Head, going head to head, <laughs> uh, at a state senate race in Aiken and Edgefield yep. in McCormick. Um, and we, the Democrats, had uh, Bill Clyburn, who's a state rep from there, it's cousins of uh, Jim Clyburn, um, and he was our nominee. And you had gone and personally recruited a young small town lawyer mm-hmm. named Shane Massey. Yep, um, and. A special election, anything happens, we, you know, it's all about, it's all about turnout. Um, we hit all of our numbers, and we end up coming up just short. And all right, I say just short, 67 votes. 67 votes in a whole state Senate race. In a whole state Senate race. And let's throw in that the BVAP, so black voting age population, was about 40% in this race. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was as high as it could be. I mean, it was like right on that threshold where like any higher, right. there was 0% chance of winning. And... So I'm going around dealing with uh, my lawyers and going from uh, county courthouse to county courthouse, trying to do what I could to you know flip some votes and salvage some some votes. Some Democrats th- are doing oh, finding some dead people to vote. Well, yeah, I had my shovel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're and so uh, you. I remember you calling me uh, one afternoon 
and saying, you know, again, what are you hearing? And I was like, screw you. I'm eating <laughs> shitty Chinese food in McCormick, South Carolina. <laughs> Just left the courthouse. You know, try, I think we ended up only flipping like five votes yeah. on that. Um, but that was um, – so that's first part of the story. That got a state senator Shane Massey. Yeah. So fast forward to that session – uh, because he was going to have to do it run again in yeah, 2008. Two, two years. Because that was uh, uh, the he was that special election was just to fill the term. So next year he's had to run. Uh, but we got to put him on some votes. Yeah. Um, and there was a bill in the state house uh, to post the Ten Commandments. That remember that was the big yeah. the big. Um, Issue of the day. Uh, it's a guy out of Alabama. Yeah, Roy it, Moore was it? Yeah, yeah it was like Roy, Roy Moore. Moore's and bill. he had him yeah. on. He had him on a um, on a flatbed truck yep. that he would t- tour around from capital to capital. Uh, anyway, this was their way, um, the Republicans' way of justifying this because there's always going to be a church and state argument. Yep. was they were going to say. And other historical documents. It was a historical document. Other historical documents, just like the Magna Carta. And the so, Ten Commandments is a historical document. And so State Senator Brad Hutto, my hero, I think he's one of the smartest men alive, um, just said, other historical documents, okay. The charter, uh, when the colony of Georgia uh, received its charter, they cited the Lord's Prayer in the document mm-hmm. and said, well, that's historical. So Brad puts up an amendment to um, to include the Lord's Prayer. Which would have been a poison pill, which because that would have definitely made it unconstitutional. Exactly. Yeah. So, young, first-term state senator, small-town lawyer, Shane Massey, uh, has a decision to make on that vote. Uh, he, and he ultimately voted, you know, the legal way, yeah. the, the responsible way. Which it's, was it, to vote against vote the Lord's against Prayer. the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> we didn't say a word. For we went okay, we filed that away, and we just all forget we forgot about it. Yeah. So the only way to save the Ten Commandments was to kill the Lord's Prayer, right? And we totally didn't think about it for two years. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> year no, no, that was for about six months oh, okay. because that, that was, was a, that, that was an election, election year. Yeah, so okay. that year I went and recruited um, Greg Anderson, uh, an attorney from Edgefield and a very conservative uh, Democrat, used to be the former mayor uh, of the of, of Edgefield. No. no. Excuse me, that's that was John West, but a uh, small town attorney. Yeah, he was uh, a great candidate. Yeah, and um, it's a great candidate. And we start putting together a script for the ad, and um, I sent it to uh, one of our consultants for the caucus, and he said, "What? Really?" I said, "Trust me." Uh, we actually poll tested it, and we we're like, "That's one of our our killers." There you are. Um, so um, I get, I have, you know. Type out the Lord's Prayer, put it in calligraphy free font, and mm-hmm. get it framed up. And we go into the Edgefield County Courthouse for the, to shoot it, pop it up on the wall. So the the ad starts off with a shot of the Lord's Prayer on the wall in the county courthouse, and the narration is the Lord's Prayer, a timeless inspiration. <laughs> I remember. It's hard to believe that anyone would vote against posting it in uh, in public spaces, but Shane Massey, and it's cut right to the to the slashing. Yep. Um, and we put it out there, ran with it. Um, I think it had been on the air maybe two days, mm-hmm. and y- that's where you came in on the response. Yeah. You want to talk? You want to? Well, I don't remember specifically. I remember two specific ads that ran after that. The first one was the 
that's ridiculous ad where we had Shane sitting on my front porch in well, Columbia. Okay, fast forward here. Let's go back to the immediate this the melee. That you tell him, okay, remind me because I don't remember. It's been so long. It has been a long time. I just thought it was funny. Um, you uh, said, well, Shane, we got to respond to this. So you call a press conference. Um, I don't and remember I can't this. remember. I can't remember which which little town, but it was in the Horse Creek Valley. This yeah. is the old mill villages. Um, and it's I remember it was in this gazebo in the middle of the the town square, and it's Shane. Shane's wife, Shane's newborn baby girl. That's right. That's right. Shane's mama. Mm -hmm. Shane's preacher. um, The head of the Baptist Convention from South Carolina. That's right. Two state senators and somebody else. Yeah. And there's two cameras uh, from the local market and somebody from the Aiken Standard. And I'm standing in the back just watching all this. And y'all get done. Um. And the cameras immediately turned towards me, turned to me, and I'm there to give instant rebuttal. And I had printed out um, the um, the roll call sheet from that vote, just to have it in writing that Shane Massey voted against the Lord's Prayer. Well, I get I what I responded was what you just saw here was nothing but a, a a group therapy session of Columbia special interest saying it's okay to vote against the Lord's Prayer. No, it's not, and just going on from there. You jump in. And start yelling at me. <laughs> I did? Yeah. I don't remember this at all. You you start yelling at me while all the cameras and the reporters are just jotting all this down and memorializing it. Phil, did you just call the head of the Baptist Convention a special interest group? I said, yes, I did, Wes. But I was also, <laughs> here's the vote. And so I start waving the piece of paper around on camera. And they just then you and I just start walking parallel to each other, yelling. And now it's all being recorded. Oh, I love it. And get back in the car, and Greg Anderson calls me and said, how'd it go? I went, it could have gone better. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember two ads, uh, and I was responding. If I were to, like, play this in my microphone, could you hear it? Did you find it? Yeah, I found the response ad. I found one. Let's see what happens. Oh, if, not, if not, you could um, you could just. I'll just send it to you. Can you put it in? Here, here's the ad that we responded. To. I'm gonna try to put it on speaker. See what happens. Last year, I ran for office, pledging to shake things up, and I've done it. Now, there've been a lot of things said about me, many of them untrue, but this time, my opponent's gone too far. To say I'm opposed to the Lord's Prayer, <laughs> that's just nonsense, and we deserve better, folks. We're facing real music. challenges. And we need a senator who's going to focus on energy, jobs, and schools, rather than saying anything to get elected. On election day, I'd appreciate your vote to help me keep shaking things up. That was the response. Okay, so that was a pretty good response. But you mentioned the newborn baby. The baby ad. The baby ad came next. And when I saw that on television, I went, shit. So... He so the previous uh, in the primary we had a primary mm-hmm. and Blair Massey was pregnant and we had an ad that um, Shane was talking about how busy he was since you've liked to me I've been busy doing this I've been busy doing that I've been busy up in Columbia representing you but life's about to get a whole lot busier and it zoomed in on Blair's stomach so by the time you attacked us Blair had already had their first kid. They're on the presidents. I think it was Carter. Um, had already had already had the first baby. 
So here's Shane sitting down, and you can only see his face. And he's talking about how he's changing Columbia. You know, I'm changing the tax code. I'm changing this. I'm changing that. And then it zooms in on the baby. And here at home, I'm doing a little changing too, you know, referring to diapers. And it was like after that, I think you were done. No, that that was, you know, I, the baby beat the shit out of me. It did. Yeah. Babies always work. Babies. I was but, like, it, it, but, it, but, the, but the thing was, it made him just a, a good you dude you, that would yeah. never be against the Lord's prayer. Yeah. They were, so it made the attacks. Well, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. He's got a baby. And to be fair, <laughs> we you know, we're in politics. We understand <laughs> the game. In this case, it actually was very unfair because Shane Massey is genuinely be- one of the best human beings and, I and know. You know and, Sings in his church choir. Ever since then? Shane, when he got when that was our only chance to really take him out. The lines have been redrawn. Now yeah. he's uh, Senate Minority Leader, the Majority Leader, Majority Leader. Excuse yeah. me. Uh, and that's and also it's the State Senate. It's a very um, you know cordial body. Everyone's very respectful of each other, no matter what. For size. the most part, for the most part, unless you're like attacking someone within your own caucus, right? Well, that's, <laughs> that's you know, different. That's different. But um, you know, sh- I consider Shane a friend. We've got we got along very well after that. Um, in fact, um, when you know, I think it was maybe my second year with Push, um, you called me up and said Blair's running for school board. Uh, you Let's get help to, her out. You get to handle her digital. Yeah, that was and I remember being, <laughs> I remember being on an email saying, "Hey Blair, it's me." And she goes, "Wait a minute." Because here's a <laughs> lesson all political operatives need to understand, especially you new up and coming guys candidate might forget the, the guy i should say if it's a guy the candidate will forget but the, the wife the spouse does not never forgets so never. I, I i had to spend the first uh couple of days of that and it was you know we're just doing some very basic digital ads um for blair but uh my first job was to get her comfortable yeah you know speaking of wives um and and an instance where you beat me and one of, the, and also one of the best guys in the state senate was Thomas Michaelveen, mm-hmm. and uh, that was over in Sumter, South Carolina state senate race. And you know, I gave it my all. You whipped my ass in that race, and I was pretty disappointed. And Thomas McElveen ends up being one of the best guys in the senate. Yeah. Just m- moral, honorable, honest. You know, the antithesis of every stereotype of a, of a politician. That's Thomas McElveen. But when I saw – he came over to my book signing. Yeah. And he says, I love you and forgive you, but my wife does never forgive. <laughs> she, she hadn't forgotten. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, much like your relationship with Shane, uh, you, you, you went and found, found Shane, recruited him, said, this is our guy. Same thing with me and Thomas. Uh, we said, you know, we got, a, we got a seat coming up here, and um, it's a must hold. Uh, and we're going with you. Well, I like to win. And this might be one of the only times I could say I'm glad I lost because the state's better that that he, Thomas Michael Vee yeah. is in the, is in the really state is. Senate it, it, and he's just a good dude. Good public servant, good dude. Um, and like Shane, uh, I think three kids now. Damn. Three's too many. Trust me. <laughs> I have three. Um, so going back to the Shane Massey race, what's the what do you think is the primary lesson you learned in that one? Primary lesson is um, – I got another primary lesson about something else, but primary lesson, for the, primary lesson for that one is if you're going to deliver an attack, uh, be smart about the context. Um, you know, throwing something out there that says Shane Massey voted against the Lord's Prayer, it sounds outrageous mm-hmm. on its own. 
Yeah. We didn't have any kind of lead up to it. We didn't have any um, uh, collateral to go along with it. Um, I, I think I made the mistake of putting it out there as a television ad and not backing it up with mail pieces that could elaborate yeah. more. Um, it's just, if you're going to deliver an attack and it's and, and it seems coming out of left field, you've got to work on selling it and giving it the context it needs that the average yeah. voter um, – He's probably going to hear it for the first time and go, that... It probably needs to be part of a larger narrative or a larger theme. Mm -hmm. That's like when we... Phil and I talk about this a lot. Whenever we're delivering attack ads, we like them to be in a series that uh, defines a person's character. And it's not just like this one-off random attack. It has to... It has to be be in a series. It has to... And that's where you got to have the dollars to go with it. That's right. Because, you know, fundraising... um, you know, I was the kind of the jack of all trades on the, when I was doing campaigns. I was the fundraiser. I was the field guy. I was mm-hmm. uh, general consulting, managing all of that. Um, and you know, so you can't do everything. Yeah. You, um, and one of the things that was kind of a um, a challenge throughout my entire career in campaigns was was fundraising. Mm-hmm. Uh, just never having those the resources um, to really deliver that context. To do, like you said. Tell that narrative. Put yeah. that narrative out there, not just a one-time hit. Got it. You said you might have another story? Well, there was um, – going back another to 06, lesson? this was the one – again, don't – if you've got a great piece of opposition research, know your timing. Avoid to de- deploy it. Yeah. Uh, too early uh, gives your opponent time to respond. If it's too early, it also means the voters have enough time to forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was um, – just doing some FOIA, just old opposition research techniques, uh, sending in FOIA requests to state agencies. And this is the Comptroller General's race. And I had found that um, the Comptroller General, Richard Ekstrom, had checked out a, a van from the state motor pool and, um, and used it for a family vacation up to Minnesota, all the way to the Canadian border. I remember this now. <laughs> and the way we were able to track it was he was using the gas card. That was associated with the van. So we were checking uh, gas station, gas station. It was like uh, like you know the map scenes in Indiana Jones with the dots on you just follow <laughs> it. Um, the dynamic there was we needed – we again, we didn't have any money. So um, we were going to try to get as much as we can in the earned media. So I went and uh, deployed – you know, called up uh, the state newspaper. Uh, they dutifully reported it, front page, then got the editorial board – Slamming extra, but I, I got the, the headlines I wanted for the television ad that we could only afford ten days worth to uh, run. Yeah, uh, but it was that time in between. Uh, Ekstrom and Rod Sheely, yep, uh, had enough time to respond and um, pivot. Um, and by the time we were able to get only ten days worth of television, voters it was just, too late. Yeah, so timing, timing. If you've got if you've got something. Let's be smart about when you want to deploy it. Is Ekstrom still there? He still is. God, he's been comptroller forever. Yeah. Interesting. Well, brother, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, Only man. our second Democrat. You got to help me find more Democrats. Okay. Well, just, I know a few. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. All right. Thank you.